Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kaya and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. And I actually also talk about my own business. So today's episode is called Customer Lock-In and Insurance Features. Let's get started. Over the last week, I've metaphorically left the building, I guess, um, and I had several conversations with my audience and the audience for my most recent project, Permanently. Since this is a product that is aimed at authors, I've been chatting with writers about their experiences with links in their work. And my service can theoretically solve any number of problems. I'm quite aware of that. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been struggling with figuring out uh, what to do. And I really need to make sure that I'm solving the right ones. So I just reached out. And in several conversations, the people I talked to raised a very interesting point. As professional creators, they care about protecting their brand and staying in control of their content. This was particularly clear when we talked about custom domains and vanity links. What I personally initially thought of as a nice-to-have feature, didn't really think that people would really need it, appears to be extremely important to my prospects. And that's one of the learnings that I got from just this week's validation calls. They wanted links in their books to be hosted on a domain they control, or that at least they can control, and to the foreseeable future. Having the words permanent.link as a part of their links in their book was met with reactions somewhere between concern and defiance. Even the prospects that initially didn't care much about the links and where they were hosted quickly concluded, and I didn't need to push them, they actually came to that all by themselves, that if they could control a link's domain and where it be hosted, they'd be able to use it for their marketing efforts and for their tracking efforts much better. And most of all, they all came to one particular conclusion. Having the links on their own domain meant much less of a lock-in. It turns out that my audience both wants their links to be safe forever and to be able to walk away without having to do a lot of work. And those are pretty high expectations. And in that moment, when I reflected on this, I noticed that my biggest fear right then was that they'd eventually leave the business. So my brain, in its alert state, jumped to the question, how can I lock people in? And I immediately thought about ways to retain customers that I didn't even have yet at that point, right? Using traps and coercion, thinking about people that weren't even customers at this point. But then I kind of thought, would I want to be locked in? to any software that I'm using? Is this how I want to see my customers as somebody who might cancel and I need to coerce them to stay? And absolutely not. Shortly after I had this wave of fear pass through me, my higher cognition just kicked in and got to work and something clicked in my brain. I'd been asking myself, what can I provide to give people the option to stay, right? Thinking about retention and keeping them around. But that is a very self-centered question. It really doesn't take into account the goals of the customer at all. The question that I should have actually asked and answer is, what can I provide to give people the option to leave? And that is a contrarian approach. I see that. Let's just let me explain it. Why would I make it easy for them to leave? Isn't that the opposite of retention? And here's the thing with permanent link, my, my SaaS. It's, it's not a SaaS project that people will use every day. Like you would use tools like email clients or music streaming services or just things that you really use on a daily basis. My service is more insurance than a product. The primary function is to make sure that links work, right? The links they put into their books 
keep working even when the original breaks. Anything beyond that is window dressing. Providing stablings is the core, and that's the core feature, and that's something that will work without customer interaction. We'll have to. People don't want to have to interact with the project. And that has several implications. The main one being that it's supposed to be extremely solid and reliable. People expect that of the project, of the product, of the business, and of me. Any extensive downtime will impact people's work eventually, right? Links in books may not be clicked all the time. They're rarely clicked, but they better work when people click them. Otherwise, the author's going to have a lot of trouble. Their books are going to get flagged by Amazon as contains errors or something like that, which happened to me, which is the reason why I built this whole thing. And that's a big problem. It impacts your sales. It impacts your bottom line. And many of the people I tr talk to, they trust me to build a reliable service. They already know me. They're from my audience. They're from the people that follow me, right? They, they kind of know who I am. But even those people, they still want the option to set up their own system at any point. Should they need to? which they hopefully never will, but they want to have the optionality. And that was the point where it dawned upon me that my fears are completely misplaced. The, those people I talked to, they didn't scheme to cancel their subscription eventually. What they truly needed was knowing that there was an escape hatch. They just needed to know that there was a way out, in just in case, so they could even become my customers in the first place. It's about building trust. They wanted to know that if they should ever cancel, which they hopefully never would have to, there was a easy streamlined way out. And I thought about how I chose my own dependencies in this project and the projects before. I'm just looking at things like my database, pro database provider, right? They offer full backups. Those are standardized SQL backups so they can be imported into any other database. My hosting provider, they provide snapshots of my instances for download and reuse. Anybody who worked with AWS before knows the machine images and how you can export them into like disk images and all these kind of things. These critical services that I use all have an escape hatch and they use it in their marketing. They tell you about it, right? They talk to you about backups. They talk to you about being able to export things and they understand that this makes it easier for me to choose to become a customer because I can trust them. So I'm considering providing every paying customer with a way to fully export their data as some sort of insurance policy. I'll go a bit further than just exporting data. I'll be setting up a simple static redirection system, like a script that people can take with them when they leave the service and continue to run the redirection on like PHP-based server or something like that. It might even... Yeah, I, I might even turn into some sort of open source redirection solution, or I might find one and use it, and then create an automated package for download that can be quickly spun up to do some static redirection. Now, obviously, this won't provide the same level of automation as permanent link does, like the actual service. Customers won't get notification emails when things break. Their links won't be automatically archived. Uh, the redirection targets will need to be manually adjusted when the original URL start to fail. All of the stuff that actually makes my service interesting won't work, but it'll be a shallow, simple version of the service. It will allow them to know that even if they stop using my service for any reason, their links will be safe. And building this relationship of trust with the customer is more important than forcing them to stick around. That's my big learning for this week. We see how much this matters all the time with infrastructure providers. 
And I just talked about the good examples, right? Like my database and my hosting providers, but they're also bad ones. Particularly here in Germany, mobile phone providers, they have those year-long contracts that you can't get out of with incredible locking clauses where you have to kind of cancel the thing one year ahead of time. This really, really weird stuff. And unsurprisingly, people hate to interact with those businesses. And I want to build a business that people enjoy interacting with, even though I know that my business runs best when people don't have to interact with it, because once they have set up the links in their books, they're just going to work, hopefully, forever, whatever that may mean. But, you know, like it's something where they use the service because it's reliable and because it, because it helps them continuously. So to me, all of this means building things that make people consider become customers because they know they're being treated respectfully even when they leave or when they leave and let me know what you think about this because obviously giving people a way out is not custom for saas right we often build things in a way that they can only use it with our service and there's a they're going to have a hard time using it with other services that's like a protection mechanism some kind of moat i don't want to do that i want to give people this option to leave so that they hopefully never have to take it so that they trust me enough to sign up in the first place. Because with this project, the idea is that people put links into their books and those links work. They work for next week. They work next month. They work the next couple of years. A decade from now, they still work. So that's the kind of business that I'm building. And I want to communicate this intent. I want to communicate that this is here to last. All right, that was a big topic. Let me just talk about uh, the other things I did this week. Um, as I said, I had several customer exploration calls, and most of the other time was spent on actually building features for the product. There was a cool thing that happened, so I'm just going to talk about it. Um, building this custom domain integration that I was talking about earlier, right? That the whole idea behind giving people the way a way to export their data and run it on their own servers. Well, if um, while they are customers of my service, they want to have it on their own domain. I need to be able to build something where they can actually attach their domain to my service and anything, any traffic that goes to, to their domain gets forwarded to mine. So that was the whole point um, why I even came to this thought and I needed to build it, right? Um, it was an interesting project. Usually this is done with CNAME records on custom domains, right? Where you go to your registrar and put in a CNAME, point it to someplace and then it automatically works. And I looked into this initially. Um, my, my service is hosted on Heroku and they have an excellent custom domain integration through the API with like free SSL certificates and everything. And I was ready to build this into my service and just call it a day. And then I noticed limitations. You can only add 100 custom domains to any single Heroku app. And while right now, this is obviously not a problem. I have zero customers, right? Other than myself. It will be... A problem 99 customers from now and i assume the permanent link will eventually have more than 100 customers who attach their domains to the service there's a lot of authors out there that need a brand and that have a brand and i want to keep their domain on brand so heroku suggests purchasing these san certificates for batches of 100 domains each and yeah i'm not gonna do that i want to be fully automated i don't want to run around purchasing weird certificates i think that's like it's like what they did in the 90s was it even encryption? I don't know. Purchasing certificates is something from, from the last century. And now you have Let's Encrypt that distributes certificates automatically, instantly and free. So I want that. 
So I looked at Cloudflare's custom domains, hoping that there was something there because I also use Cloudflare for the service, but they won't even show you what they offer until you get an, ex like an expensive enterprise plan. That's also not going to happen with my bootstrapped site project. Right? Both Cloudflare and Heroku were not going to solve my problem. So I Googled. I always do that, and obviously everybody does. Googled how other founders dealt with this issue. And I found a fantastic article by Tim Nolet of Checkley. I chatted with him before, actually, on Twitter, and he's located in Berlin, and we had a nice little conversation. And when I saw his name on the blog, I had a big smile on my face, because it's just awesome to see helpful content by people that you already are surrounded with on Twitter, or surrounded by. And I started reading, and the smile grew even wider, because as I was reading through the article, it was super instructive. It was extremely helpful. And I found the article on Sunday night, and I couldn't sleep for at least an hour that night because I was just thinking and thinking and thinking, knowing that I'd implement this feature on Monday. And uh, so on Monday, I just got to it. Mary Tim's original solution was intended for his customers' status dashboards. Checkly is a monitoring solution, and you can have your custom dashboard, like status.example.com, right? And it points to their solution and um, pulls in all the data. I needed something slightly different because I needed a redirection tool. My customers connect their domain to my service, let's just say example.com. And then if someone clicks on a link like example.com slash purchase, they get redirected to an Amazon page. That's the idea. And for that to work, all requests from example.com have to be routed to permanent.link, which is the main URL for my application. What the service then determines where the request came from, example.com, and which link to forward to. That would be the Amazon page. And then automatically redirect this connection from their domain um, to the Amazon page. And we're looking at two redirections here, right? The first one is from their domain to my service. And the second one is from my service to wherever they want to link. So Tim's solution would take care of the first redirection. And I had already built the second part. Anything from permanent link, uh, link um, was already capable of redirecting, uh, depending on, on where you pointed it. So I only needed the first part. And this would be a non-issue a couple of years ago in the HTTP world, but there's some more work to do with HTTPS. And I just gonna, I'm just going to go through it quickly because it's really interesting how that works. It works like this. The customer adds an A record to the domain settings, pointing to an IP that I've set up on AWS. Right? You can add an A record to your root domain, or you can add an A record to any subdomain and just point it at an IP, and automatically all DNS resolve will, or, um, queries will go through and hit that IP. And behind that IP is an EC2 instance on AWS, on Amazon Web Services, a virtual machine that only takes HTTP and HTTPS connections. So it's pretty much a really, really dumb virtual machine that only has two ports where you can connect, and it takes those connections. And once the first request is made after the domain is connected through this A record, a tiny Node.js application handles it, and any further request as well. But the first one is important. Because this application has only two purposes. Either it will create a new SSL certificate for that domain when it doesn't have one already, or it will redirect the connection to permanent link when it finds an SSL certificate and use the certificate to actually encrypt the connection. It will also renew those certificates behind the scenes and do a lot of like housekeeping, but the customer-facing part is just really redirection. And this application uses a library called Greenlog, which is a JavaScript library to handle Let's Encrypt which handles everything. Tim's article has a working config, like uh, provided that you use version 2.x of this library, you can pretty much copy and paste what he put into, into this article. And I'm going to link it in the show notes. 
And he even indicated how to set up an EC2 instance on Amazon and the Node.js application in that virtual machine so it runs reliably. It was a really thorough, albeit short article. It was really nice. Like It, it was a lot of fun to, to read it and then to actually implement it. Within three hours of setting this up and building an endpoint into my service to check if a domain should be allowed to connect or not, right? So somebody registered it in my backend, then I would start uh, issuing these certificates. I was done. Or so I thought. I was kind of halfway there. When I first connected one of the many, many side project domains that I own, it just worked. But I had only built half of what I needed because my service um, uses project and link slugs for redirection. Imagine something um, like permanent link slash zero to sold slash book, right? Zero to sold is the project name and book is the link name. So these kind of fragments um, are used for redirection. But if I wanted to be on my book's custom domain, um, like zero to sold.io, for example, only zero to sold.io slash zero to sold slash book would now work at this point. If I wanted the short version, zero to sold.io slash book, right? Without the project stuck in between, it wouldn't work just yet. And for that, I needed to find out what the original host was. Where was this coming from? Which original domain was connected to? And here's where Cloudflare messed up everything for me for a couple hours. They overwrite host headers for every request traveling through the network. All of a sudden, my redirection became super pointless because I didn't know where the origin server was. And if I didn't know that, how could I ever create simple URLs for my customers? It was quite frustrating for a couple minutes. Thankfully, I came up with a solution. Um, in this little Node.js application on my redirection server, I would add a custom header to the request with the host name in it. And I tested that and Cloudflare left that header alone. Thankfully, it feels like a hack and I'm quite sad that my headers are overwritten somewhere on the stack, but that's what I have to work with. Um, took me an hour or so to implement this header parsing and the routing logic for the backend, but within the day, I had implemented custom domain forwarding through a record DNS. And I was... Very happy. It was quite a proud day for the engineer and me. Although, would have wished this would have been possible without requiring AWS as a dependency, right? I'm already on Heroku. Now I'm kind of two cloud providers at the same time. Yeah, that's that's where that's what it is. Um, it automatically issues free SSL certificates for every customer of my business and any domain that they want to add to a project. And since it's using A records, people can add either full domains like mybookredirect.com or subdomains like link.myblog.com, depending on how they want to link to that stuff. Both work exactly the same way. And that would actually not have been possible with just the CNAME redirection that um, Heroku offers, for example. That's a very welcome side effect because people can now actually use a full redirection domain. Not that it's necessary, but it's nice to have that. And Okay, well, that was my Monday. Let's <laughs> just talk. That's the first day of the week. But uh, no worries, I'm not going to go into that much detail for the rest of the week. The one other thing that I learned from my customer exploration calls, and I'm going to talk about that quickly, was that one of the main benefits of having control over your links is that you can learn something about your readers. This seems to be something that has been completely ignored in digital books over the past couple of years, at least with the people that I talk to, it has never been something that people intended to have or even thought about. Um, the, the authors that built their own redirect, redirection solution, they understand that even if it's just a custom self-built thing or on top of a WordPress blog or something, it will give you some level of analytics and some level of insight. Clicks, geolocation, you can pro probably even do session tracing 
All of this is interesting for at least a few of the people that I talk to and would be a nice to have for the others. It definitely beats not having any insight whatsoever, which is what you have if you just link to the original URLs in your books, funny enough. Right? So you need some sort of redirection somewhere in there that has an analytic system as well. So I am now, since a couple of days ago, tracking every link on every click, right? On every link on the platform. I'm not collecting any personally identifiable information because that is actually important for me not to do. It's also the reason why I chose Fathom Analytics over Google Analytics for the marketing page and the whole project. Because not only is Fathom a bootstrap business led by, in part, um, Paul Jarvis, who wrote the amazing business manual company of one that also inspired my book Zero to Sold, it's also a privacy-first business. And that's the only way any modern business should be set up. Next week, I'll have more exploration calls. That's my goal. And I'll do some more research into how I can make sure that the links that I monitor get archived accurately and, um, yeah, just in time, I guess, before they start breaking. This might need an integration or two, but it's not the most important thing right now because it's just something that could be a potential upsell later to people who need some really, really strong control over where the links are pointing. Um, yeah, I'm also going to spend some time on pricing. That's going to be uh, excruciating. Right now, there's only a monthly plan and for long-term relationship with customers being expected and needed for the service, right? Where it's about years, there will probably have to be a yearly plan, maybe something even longer. I don't even know if that's possible, but um, the, the idea is to make sure that people understand that they can be in there for the long run. And I know that pricing is always hard and it will take me a while to get this right. And I'll, I think I'll be talking about this next week. So that's what I'm planning to do. That's what I've done this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Bootstrap Founder podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can also find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosoldbook.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrapfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Bootstrap Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders and founders-to-be to find this podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. So thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.